The Print Files, where we bring you the inside story on the printing industry by Print21, the people who know print. Good day and welcome to the latest episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print, the podcast for the print industry from The Print Files, where we dig deep into the big issues impacting the industry each month. I'm Wayne Robinson, editor of the Print 21 Media And I'm Hub. Lindy Hewson, publisher of Print 21 and of PK and Packaging News. And welcome all to the latest episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print. I do need to apologise, Wayne, for my voice. I've just come off a flight 24 hours of flying and I seem to have left my voice behind. Thank you, Qantas. Um, well, we have a lot to discuss this month, as always. So let's start with the major moves that we are seeing into diversification by print businesses, particularly this month with the country's biggest print business, Ive, and the biggest printer up there in the top end. And by the way, hello to all our listeners up there. The biggest printer up there in the top end is Coleman's Printers. Print 21 has been flagging diversification for some time. What does it mean, Wayne, and what have been the developments in the market? Uh, well, Lindy, I've has, uh, made its big move into the folding carton business, and Coleman's, which is a commercial printer, also wide format, has moved into the labels business. Uh, I've signaled when it uh, gave its results at the end of the year that it was looking for its next major strategic move to enter folding carton, given that it was uh, a growing business. I've values it at $800 million in this country, it says it's growing by 10% a year, it says there's a move to folding carton as consumers seek to drive away from plastics. Uh, it's uh, put up a $45 million war chest. It spent $35 million of that on Jackpack, independent company down there in Melbourne. And from that acquisition, uh, Ives will use that as a platform to build what it says will be a $150 million a year folding carton operation. It says the folding carton world in Australia is fragmented. There's no major players. Uh, apart from the big two, obviously, it aims to become, a, it, it's not aiming to take on the big guys, but it is aiming to become the the leader in the mid-tier section, $150 million a year, which has set itself a target of three to five years. It's a smart move, obviously, from Ives' point of view. Its commercial print revenues are not going to increase significantly. It's a real major player in wide format already. Folding Khan offers a great opportunity, $150 million. And of course, Ives knows all about manufacturing to scale. Uh, so it, it's got a lot to offer that market. Uh, Jackpack, well, Ashley Tomlins, the owner of Jackpack, he'll be staying with the business, uh, as will all the staff, and, and it will continue to run for the moment uh, under the Jackpack brand. But obviously, that will become, we expect that will become Ive uh, very soon. Uh, Ive says Jackpack's got, an, got the ability to itself add another $15 million to its revenue of $45 million, And then the other $90 million will obviously come from Ive investing in other companies. Not many printers can uh, look at uh, Ives scale, but Coleman's is a typical commercial printer. In fact, it's the only A1 size commercial printer in the Northern Territory. 30 staff there in, in uh, Darwin, another half dozen in Alice Springs. Uh, it was a commercial printer. A few years ago, it moved into wide format, a typical move, for which a lot of commercial printers have done. It's a relatively easy business to, to add on to it too. Now it's made a move into labels, which isn't quite as easy, uh, partly because of the converting that's needed. It's a slightly different dynamic. It's obviously very competitive, some very big label groups there. But uh, Tony Coleman told me that he believes the rise of the craft food and beverage uh, producers, the food and drink entrepreneurs, 
uh, that are in obviously in Darwin and but obviously around around uh, probably possibly West Australia, South Australia will be looking at as well. They're what's given him the confidence to move into the business. He's bought an HP Indigo, so he's gone straight in at the top end. No, it's not really dipping the toe in the water when you're going at that level. Uh, but he's confident with the support he'll get because when you're with HP Indigo, you get a lot of support from HP and from Curry Group. Um, they've been in the market themselves a long time. So that's really a more typical uh, diversification solution uh, that Coleman's has come up with that would be applicable to the majority of printers. And through digitization, through technology, uh, it's all possible. Top-end technology for a top-end print business. That's I saw what you did there, Wayne. <laughs> okay. And yes, as you mentioned, not many print businesses can afford to go out and just spend $35 million to diversify into a new field. Of course, IVE has those resources. But technology is certainly enabling the diversification for almost everyone and in many sectors. A couple of months ago, we discussed how the country's biggest can manufacturer, Aurora, was installing a digital can printing line, and now Southern Impact Group business, Onpack, is moving into direct-to-can printing as well. It seems to be a growing sector. Wayne, what do you think? Yeah, well, again, these are all moves based on data and forecasting. Cans as a container for beverages uh, hit the mark, as you all know, Lindy, but they're endlessly aluminium, endlessly recyclable, or virtually endlessly. Um, cans we, we're well acquainted with uh, the way that cans and digital printing on cans can drive sales. There's a couple of great examples, in fact, with a HP uh, Indigo user that's uh, in um, Adelaide there that's been using the design uh, that HP Indigo is able to produce on its cans to drive sales. And now uh, Onpack's buying as installing a Hintercoff direct-to-can digital printing line. Uh, which it says will transform the flexibility and turnaround times to can decoration. It will print 240 cans a minute. It's got nine printing units, CMYK hub, CMYK obviously white, orange, violet, green, and varnish. It will allow 360-degree printing around the can with no overlap. So, uh, you know, another smart move from Unpack, primarily a label print business, uh, really a smart move from them to get to diversify again and to offer a new service to a growing sector of the market, which is obviously a short-run beverage, uh, bespoke beverage market, and with big brands diversifying producers' shorter runs themselves. Now, Unpack has also seen some leadership changes this month, a generational change at the top. Succession is a major issue for the print industry, Wayne. We've spoken about it many times, but it seems that Southern Impact, which is Unpack's owner, has managed succession well, with Heath and Curvis from the family of the owners now succeeding Rod Dawson. Yeah, that's right, Lindy. Uh, Heath Nan Curvis is the new managing director at Southern Impact, uh, possibly the well, one of the, certainly one of the biggest independent print businesses in the country. Uh, a long-time incumbent, Rod Dawson, he's decided the time is right to exit the business. He's been there 29 years. The last 23 as a managing director, uh, Heath uh, said it's a tremendously exciting time to be taking over the the role. He thanks Rod uh, for his service. Uh, Heath, as um, he became managing director of Impact Digital, related company, uh, a decade ago, he became non-exec director of Southern Southern Color, non-exec director of Onpack, in fact, um, and then when Southern Color, Impact Digital, and Intelligent mer Media merged to create what is now Southern Impact, uh, three years ago, he was initially digital director, then became sales director. Um, so obviously, a, a well-planned route to for Heath to succeed Rod. 
Rod, uh, he'll leave the company and the industry at Christmas. He'll be a loss not only to Southern Impact, but to the whole industry. Uh, he's grown that business over a time when many other comparable uh, print businesses, the A1 print businesses, have floundered. Uh, in fact, just a year ago, Southern installed the first HP Indigo 15K in the country. March this year, or March, they put in a new 10-color Heidelberg XO106. Following the change, Andrew Gasper, uh, XO Varto, he's now heading sales at the group. He's become general manager sales and customer satisfaction. Terrific title. Uh, Southern's majority shareholding is the Nankervis family, Gary, Greg, and Ray. Um, and the uh, on-pack business is headed up by Michael Nankervis. Uh, Dawson's time, we have to say, has been characterized by razor-sharp customer focus. Investment in new technology is very strong in investing in new technology to keep ahead of the curve and optimizing opportunities. Uh, they acquired uh, Peak Digital to enter the wide format market. Digital Innovator Intelligent Media was brought on board. And then they bought many of the assets of the failed Rooster IMC and consolidated all four Southern businesses into the 7,000 square meter site in Mount Waverley just four years ago. Well, we wish Rod Dawson everything of the best in this next chapter. He's certainly done a tremendous job over the last quarter of a century. Running a business is no easy feat, um, as we well know, having documented so many stories of up highs and lows in Print 21. So on that note, let's turn to a salutary tale of a print business, a well-established business with knowledgeable, experienced staff, a close relationship with its major customer, producing superb work for that customer, the client becomes the majority revenue earner for the printer, but that relationship ends suddenly, leaving the printer high and dry and having to go into administration. What a tale of woe, Wayne. Yeah, a salutary tale, as you say, Lindy. Uh, the owner of uh, Sydney Point of Purchase Print Operation Pressfast has put the, the company into voluntary administration. It's now up for sale uh, because its main client, with which uh, Pressfast has worked for many years, uh, suddenly switched from a, a local supplier direct relationship to a global aggregator model. Uh, one, they appointed one buyer for the whole world. And that relationship that Pressfast had uh, developed over many years where they worked way upstream with the company on developing their uh, products, particularly the shelf stackers and associated products for the Australian market, uh, all of a sudden it's over. And uh, they have to go through the broker. Of course, the broker, well, they operate to a different set of parameters, uh, which we all know typically what they are. Uh, and uh, that work... Now, it suddenly ends, so Pressfast is suddenly left, as you said, high and dry. Of course, the dynamic is, should you, and all businesses, or many businesses face this, you have a great client, you do great work for them, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. How far should you allow that one client to, to, take, to be a part of your business? I mean, uh, business textbooks say, not very far. You should have a wide diversification of clients, but... The reality is, if you've got a great client that pays great money on time, every time, uh, you're servicing really well, you're not going to turn around to them and say, we've got to cut back the amount of work for you. And unfortunately, uh, the situation that we've seen with Presfast, the aggregator ASL, uh, is, as, as the owner, Gavin Bloor, told me, it's left them completely blindsided. And now, of course, the business that's been based on a certain revenue expectation, that revenue stops the business isn't really able to function anymore. So Gavin's had to put it into administration uh, and now it's up for sale. A salutary tale. As you say, Lindy, business, it's not easy. 
Yes, it really is. Um, it is problematic, Wayne, when you have um, all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. But there is potentially some good news, Wayne, for another set of printers caught in a very similar situation. The nation's wine label printers. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, well, if you remember, Lindy, a couple of years ago when relations between Australia and China were plummeting um, as Australia sought answers to COVID and was making strong insinuations that China was to blame, um, Chinese introduced a range of tariffs on, uh, on a whole range of Australian products, uh, barley famously, and wine in our industry, uh, which, and the tariffs were effectively a ban because they made the products so expensive that no one would buy them. Um, and that reduced the, the amount of wine going into China from $1.2 billion worth a year to $8 million worth a year. So 99% of it was wiped out. Of course, for the print industry, that means 99% of wine labels that were due to go to China were also wiped out. And to give you a sense of perspective, there's more wine sold to China from Australia than there is to the US, uh, UK and Europe combined. It was a huge market, $1.2 billion. They said they they reckon they're almost 100. They, there was the number of bottles was approaching 100 million a year. That's 100 million labels a year that were now suddenly stopped from being printed. And there's no way that that uh, the label printers could uh, suddenly, as as the press passed, you can't suddenly create recreate that volume of work. And the wine industry itself hasn't been able to recreate it. And now there's uh, huge vats. Uh, of uh, of wine around the country and a glut of red wine, which is why red wine prices are so cheap right now. The good news is uh, that uh, the uh, current government is making reproachments to China. Uh, there seems to be a thawing in the relationships. Al Anthony Albanese is off there in the ne next couple of weeks. And as far as the wine industry concerns, which is concerned, which as far as the label industry is concerned, it looks like uh, that uh, wine export tar the tariffs on wines may be coming down. Nothing in concrete yet. In fact, there's a five-month window for the Chinese government to reassess, in their words, those tariffs. But all the signs are that will come down. And if it does, that's good news for the wine industry, really good news for label printers, particularly because Australian wine in China is viewed as a premium product. And that is reflected in the labels, which are full of embellishments. In other words, they're not just you know the, the bog standard labels. They've got a lot of embellishments, which means a lot of margin for label printers. So hopefully that will come about. Well, we've talked a fair bit about diversification today. And one event that has highlighted the diversity of print and the power of diverse print to communicate was the voice referendum. Ultimately, unsuccessful for the yes vote, but an event in which we saw both sides make extensive use of many different types of print. Yeah, it was uh, un unarguable, Lindy. Anyone, well, we all went to voting booths. At my lo local voting booths, we were given pamphlets from both sides. There was people wearing T-shirts, people wearing caps. There was posters. We saw uh, billboards, banners everywhere. We uh, we saw I've in fact printed 13 million pamphlets for the to give the yes and no sides. Both uh, campaigns printed millions of flyers. So for the for the print industry, uh, it was a it was a it was a success. Unfortunately, it wasn't for the yes vote, but for the print industry, it was, and it really showed. Uh, the power of print to communicate, to cut through, because the amount of money that both sides spent on print uh, and the amount of use of it was extensive. So it was a real uh, boost for the profile of print and for the kind of uh, raison d'etre of print, for being a real supporter of 
uh, of democracy, of enabling sides to get out their messages in an easy, accessible format. You mentioned posters and banners in that extensive list, Wayne, and we all saw those. One of the issues, though, is the un environmentally unfriendly materials that are used. But that is changing, isn't it? It is, yeah. PVC particularly, it's a very tricky uh, material when it comes to sustainability, recyclability. It basically all goes to landfill where it lasts for a very long time. Uh, but Auckland-based company SCG, better known as Sawprint, known as SCG, uh, has teamed up and um, is now working with a carbon calculator for large format print products. Uh, SCG claims it will be the first out-of-home print supplier in New Zealand to offer net carbon zero services for large format print. Uh, SCG, actually, Saw Group, has been environmentally active uh, since 2009, so 14 years now. So good on them for doing it. And then uh, over in Australia, Ooh Media, the uh, the large out the large out of home uh, asset manager, it's now using a fully recyclable billboard fabric, Australian made, Australian developed eco banner uh, for its extra large format sites. Those of you who live in Sydney and cross the Anzac Bridge will see the gigantic site on the Glebe silos there. Um, that's possibly the biggest site in Australia that is now using eco eco um, banner. Four years ago, Cactus Imaging, which is owned by uh, owned by U Media and is one of the country's premier outdoor producers or printers, uh, they launched Smart Skins, a billboard skin that's itself 100% recyclable and is now widely used. Uh, but it wasn't suitable for the very large formats and for those ones where wind is a tricky uh, situation. So that's great to see. Two companies there, two of the premier leaders in that industry. Uh, making their moves and others will surely follow. It was also interesting to hear this month Sonia Schwabsky, the CEO of print franchise group Quick Copy, attribute the turnaround in the company's revenue after 15 years of slow decline to the extensive take-up of wide format printing amongst its franchisees. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Sonia said that uh, wide format activity and revenue grew by 46% in the last year. 46%, so that's, that's a huge number. As its franchisees got on board with wide format printing. Uh, and according to Sonia Schwabsky, the model of quick copy, uh, where people can order a pull-up banner or a poster or an A-frame in the morning and come around to the store and collect it in the afternoon or have it delivered the next day, is really uh, taking, uh, driving a big growth in their business. Because the, the overseas suppliers, uh, which traditionally have been very large in Emory, and we and we talked about this last month with Easy Signs, they're unable to unable to compete with next day or same day turnaround, uh, and and so that's really uh, what these companies are offering now. Easy Signs, Quick Copy, it's really hitting a nerve and going really well for them. And yeah, Quick Copy now, uh, Sonia Schwabsky is aiming to lead the company from uh, 90 stores to 130 in the next few years, as uh, she's turned around the. As you say, Lindy, it was a gentle decline over the last 15 years since the GFC. But the year just finished, revenue grew across the group by 2.8%. So a terrific result. And uh, that was, as we say, driven mainly by the growth in wide format Well, printing. let's hope that Quick Copy does indeed pull off that growth. We um, would love a good news story out of that whole outcome. Um, another good news story that we need to mention quickly before we go, is the industry's biggest association, formerly known as the PVCA, now is called the Visual Media Association, with the new name and branding marking the end of a long journey and setting the platform for a new future, Wayne. That's right. The, the Fair Work Commission, which is the, uh, the manager of associations, officially gave its 
sanction to the to the name change to the merger the, between PVCA and uh, Real Media Collective. Uh, they merged 14 months ago, and then they've gone through a whole process of uh, members voting on on making that merger official, and then the name change, the restructuring. So yeah, PVCA is no more. TRMC is no more. It's now the Visual Media Association. Uh, they've got a new board, uh, which has just been elected the most diverse in its history. Uh, but as Kelly said, diversity doesn't just mean having women on the board. It means uh, big printers in metro areas, small printers in regional areas, label printers, wide format printers, commercial printers. Uh, it's, a, it's a great looking board. And, and the VMA has a four, four core elements that it's now looking to uh, implement and develop for the industry, for individual print businesses, for the industry as a whole. So as you said, Lindy, a platform for a new future with a, a really strong association that's focused and on the front foot for the industry. Well, thanks, Wayne. It's time to wrap up this episode. But um, just one last little mention, a shout out. We want to say best wishes to Colin Lamond and Anthony Pittaway, who are the new owners of Percival Print and Packaging in Perth. Lots of P's and alliteration there. That's fantastic news. Now, Wayne, it's time for me to say goodbye. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We value your feedback, especially the good feedback, as always. Thanks for listening. And it's goodbye from this episode of The Print Files from me, Wayne Robinson. We look forward to joining us again next time for It's Been a Big Month in Print. The Print Files podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Print 21, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Print 21, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact Print21 via their website, that's print21.com.au, or send an email to editor at print21.com.au. You can subscribe to The Print Files via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on the printing industry at print21.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.